Hello, this is Dwayne McCrary. I'm the team leader for Don't Explore the Bible, and today I'm being joined by Drew Dixon, who's the team leader for Student Explore the Bible. So, Drew, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, great to be here. Uh, session three, we're looking at Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 13. It's a pivotal moment in the life of Moses. Um, the main point that we're looking at here is that God requires the leaders of his people to follow him fully. In verses 1 through 5 of chapter 20, we find out that Miriam, which is Moses and Aaron's sister, has died and was buried after the Israelites entered the wilderness of Zen. The people once again complain about not having water, and they accuse Moses of bringing them out to Egypt to die in the wilderness. Moses and Aaron seek God's counsel, that's in verses 6 through 8, and they approach him with humility. God directed his two servants to speak to the rock with the promise that God would provide the water needed for the people and the livestock. That's an important point here, that God directed them to speak to the rock. Instead, in verses 9 through 11, what we find is Moses took the staff as directed. He addressed the people and he called them rebels. But he then struck the rock twice with his staff and water gushed from the rock. This is similar to what you see in Exodus 17. At that point, he was told to strike the rock, but here he was told to speak to it. Mm -hmm. In 12 through 13, God confronts Moses and Aaron about their disobedience. Their demonstration of distrust would disqualify them from leading the Israelites into the promised land. Moses then recorded that the location was named Meribah to remind the people of the cost of quarreling with God. And really the main point there is that God holds his followers accountable for their actions. Uh, in the pack, the leader pack, pack 13 is a handout that lists the complaints in the wilderness that took place between the people of Israel and, and well, there's multiple people. Um, they're, uh, they're listed, and, and one of the things that to note, should be noted in the handout is this particular event, Numbers 20, is near the end. So at this point, Moses has heard just about mm -hmm. every complaint you could hear. And so I, I can understand um, why he would be frustrated here. Um, just one one after another, after another, after another. Um, As I was preparing for this, I was reminded of uh, some recent experiences I had traveling with my children. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do That's it. Not, right, it's not, not a fair comparison. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, the complaints about, I'm tired. I'm bored. I, you know, it's kind of constant. Are we there yet? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so we see that here uh, in some ways. They, they've been traveling um, in the wilderness now for uh, several years. And so I, yeah. I, I can see it. I understand that frustration. Right. Now, one of the questions I would have here is that here they are without water, Drew. Is this more of a test of Moses or of the people? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it, it seems to be... I mean, just the way the narrative kind of plays out, it seems to be some of both to a degree. Um, and, and I think to be fair to the people of Israel, like, yes, they had constantly complained, and yes, Moses had to put up with that for years. But this one, like, we don't get a whole lot of indication that God was, like, upset at them for this particular complaint. Um, although there, you know, there, there certainly is, like, some sinfulness, like, some selfishness, some lack of faith in the way that they complain. Um, but, uh, but in this instance, like this was the wilderness of Zen was a difficult place to be without water. Um, and the journey they had been on had been difficult. And so I think we, uh, we should certainly make an effort, especially I think 
people in our churches to help them not look down <laughs> on the people of Israel. Uh-huh. Like I think, I think a lot of us, if we're honest, like if we were honest before God, we would say, yeah, we would probably be pretty frustrated in this kind of instance. Um, like we just, that's not something that we, most people in our churches have to put up with or have yeah. to like suffer from. Like we have access to running water. Most of us do, you know, and uh, pretty easily. So. Well, you, you mentioned your children. We could compare that here and being compassionate towards children who've been sitting in a car for a long ride. Yeah. Just, I mean, there's nothing else to do. There's only so many trees. <laughs> right. And there's only, yeah. you know, there's only so long you can play I Spy and it'd and it be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I think there is some points where we can be sympathetic towards the people of Israel um, because of, of where they are in the position that they're in at this point. Yeah, definitely. Now, let's think about this as a test for Moses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a test for Moses, I think. Um, what are some ways we may identify it as a test for Moses? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the consequences that Moses faces for his disobedience in this passage are pretty significant. I mean, they feel significant. They, they seem me. harsh. Like, yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy who's like, been dreaming about entering the promised land and there's this, you know, and has witnessed God do tremendous miracles um, and work through him to, to express those miracles for the people of Israel to lead them to this point. And, and, you know, one act of, of disobedience, like, so, so yeah, I think that's sort of an example that says there, there, the the big lesson for us here, certainly, I think, is how Moses responds to, because he does the right thing initially, right? It's important to notice that, like, yeah, yeah. the people complain, and he goes to the tent of meeting to meet with God. I mean, I think there's a great lesson for for folks in our churches right there, like when when difficult situations arise, when when you know. I think of an example, like your, your marriage is in trouble. Like you, you know things are not right between you and your spouse. Like the right thing to do in that moment is get on your knees and humble yourselves, fall on your face before God and say, help me, give me direction. And, and that's what Moses and, and Aaron do. And, and God meets them there too. Uh, God lovingly, mercifully comes to them and says, Here, here's a path forward. Here's a path to, to solve this, this problem. Um, so, um, so, you know, I think, um, he does trust God. Yeah, he just doesn't trust Him the way God directed him to. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There will be folks in our group who's going to think this is harsh, and yeah. they'll and they'll wonder what's the real sin here. Mm-hmm. Was it just that he disobeyed? Um, our, our, the resources talk a lot about that. This was a demonstration of distrust in God. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, you see that in verse twelve. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, "Because you did not trust me." Right to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites. Um, so, so it seems like I, th- I think that tells us that God sees what we don't. Right, that God knows Moses's heart in this instance, and what Moses was failing to do is trust in the holiness of God. That God is set apart. That He's perfect. That there's no one like Him. There's no one holy like the Lord. Um, and and He, it's like. Almost like a lack of respect. Um, Which is a theme we keep seeing throughout yeah. the book of Numbers, and we'll see when we're in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. as well, about God's holiness yeah. and how important that is. Um, 
in the life of the people of mm -hmm. Israel. Not only was that God was holy, but he expected them to, as his people, demonstrate that holiness to everybody they came in contact with. Right, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, I mean, I think there might be, at least some theologians or Bible scholars speculate that there's, that that Moses is, um, that it's almost like Moses is taking credit. Whether it's intentional or not, it's like he's taking credit for this this miracle because um, in verse... Uh, it's, a, it's a look what I did kind of thing. Yeah, know? verse 10, Moses and Aaron summoned, sum, uh, summoned the assembly in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? So almost like Moses is saying, all right, I'll solve your problem for you. When in reality, God had told him to demonstrate that God was going to yeah. step in and save him. Instead of pointing, and we see that with the death of Herod uh, in uh, the New Testament where hey, he, he has the voice of a God and he doesn't say, no, it's not me, and, he, and all of a sudden he drops dead. Right. It's the same, same kind of uh, mm -hmm. sin in this particular context. Yeah. So, like, the harsh question, I think, is, I think, like, what I would say to a lot of folks in our churches is, like, that's really hard for us to to judge, you know? Like, yes. I mean, I, part of me wants to say to, to, to people in, in, in my Sunday school class, yeah, it does. I just affirm that. It does feel harsh. Like, we can say that. It feels harsh. But we're talking about a God who... Is holy beyond compare. Do you think that demonstrates, or it could be one way of demonstrating the seriousness of sin, of helping us d dialogue about that? Yeah, for sure. Because because yes, it feels harsh, but sin. I mean, like, what if God doesn't do any right? Like, what what if yeah. God doesn't? We talk about this in in the student context a lot. Like, um, you know, we none of us like the consequences of sin. But think about if you think about if your students, the students in our churches, went to a school where like there were just no rules, right? Like, like say there or wasn't. Or if there were rules and no consequences for yeah, breaking them. Say there's no rule or no consequence for running down the hall, and like students are just running. I mean, think about how many people get knocked over. <laughs> like, yeah. like we like the idea of not having consequences for our sins, but the reality is, is that that's an even worse world to live in. Like, that's an even more devastating. Like, so, so God stepping in here. We, we I, like the rule for us, but not for everybody. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So God stepping in here and giving what seems like to us a harsh punishment, uh, for one, we don't have the perspective to see whether or not it's fair to call it harsh, right? Because we don't have the perspective of God. Mm -hmm. But then two, like this God's cons the consequences God lays on, even on his own people for their sin are acts of love because he's stepping in and saying, no, I don't want you to go down that path of destruction. And I don't want my people to go down that path of destruction. I mean, Moses as the leader, like, the leader of God's people and kind of one of God's first prophets uh, of his people, like how he operated, how he carried himself, the things he said and did were vastly influential. And God stepping in and saying, you know, let's put an end to, to this sort of behavior that 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 disregards my 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 holiness, dis, that disrespects my this, character. This is the guy that was the deliverer of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And it seems kind of hypocritical that the guy who delivers the Ten Commandments doesn't completely follow what God has told him to do. Yeah. So I, I kind of, there's parts of it that make me understand it, parts of it that challenge me, mm -hmm. parts that make me think, uh, the thing I thought that wasn't so bad, it's probably worse than I <laughs> right. thought it was. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, it, and it reminds us that like none of us are above 
um, above facing de devastating consequences for our sin. Like, um, it doesn't matter how like faithful we've been in the past. Like, if you if you mess around with significant, well, any any sin, but you, you can face the, God. God can choose to let you face the consequence of that, and it and it and it can be devastating. So I think this is one of those passages that should make us kind of like uh, take a deep breath, you know, yeah. and and think about like, man, I I want to be faithful, Lord, because um, I, I'd love for Him ultimately, but but also because like, you know, I I don't want to face I, well, that. Yeah, I want to finish well. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm at that point. My I'm 56. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to finish well. I have friends that that. Uh, that have fallen away on the side, or or they've become bitter. Mm. I don't want to be one of those. Yeah. And then you kind of th this lesson points to the idea of us being called by God, not just to start well, but to finish well mm -hmm. in our Christian walk as well. Yeah, I, I I get that Moses was was frustrated, those type of things. Um, Drew, are there some practical things that we can do when we're frustrated mm -hmm. that we can share with our, our our groups that might help us this Sunday? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think. Um, Moses starts out giving us a good example, and that's going to the Lord. Um, but apparently, like, he didn't go to the Lord, like, like, like uh, maybe with the right attitude or the right heart. So, so I think this passage makes me think about, like, what what is my attitude when I go to God in prayer or or seek Him in His Word? Is it like, because I think sometimes we even look to the Bible for like the answer that we want, you know? Oh, yeah. Like we'll read that passage that we think in our minds, like gives us the answer that we want, when in reality we're taking it out of context. Yeah, so. We can justify just about anything yeah. with a Bible verse. Right, yeah. If you take pick a Bible verse out of context, yeah, you can you can, you can can twist it to your own ends. It also makes, like, I think just on a practical level, like, for me, um, when I feel like my frustration is getting the better of me, um, something that really helps me is to have, like, a conversation with a brother or sister in Christ um, who who is who I know well enough that's not just going to tell me what I want to hear, you know. Um, my wife and I do this for each other a lot. Like, in fact, she called me today because she was really frustrated with our children um, from some 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 disobedience issues and things. And, um, you know, she was like, I just need you to kind of talk me off a cliff here because I'm really frustrated with them. Like, you know, <laughs> you know that kind of oh, yeah. thing. And, I understand. And Oh, totally. And I've been there too. So I think that's like maybe a good practical point of like, I don't know. What do you think? How Part of it's being honest too. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. this is where I am, um, uh, and, and saying that I, I just need to visit with someone and you think through it. Uh, you mentioned the way he approached God. Uh, it may not be so much how he approached him, but how he left him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes point. we can go to God and say, "Here's this issue. We feel like we've told him, and now that he's blessed us with whatever we're going to do, he's given mm -hmm. his blessing on our next steps, as opposed to us continuing." to ask God, what do I do mm -hmm. next? You think about Nehemiah. Um, he prayed, fasted, prayed, and then he had the opportunity to talk to the king, and when the, before the king asked him, he stops and prays again. Mm -hmm. his, his, uh, how he exited the initial conversation with God is still going on yeah. when he's at that's that point. point. I don't know that's true here for Moses. Mm -hmm. The conversation ended, and now he's going to go act, as opposed to him going with God standing by him and acting. Yeah. So that's, good. Th that, that's an important distinction for me. Any other things you would share about this particular passage uh, as we look at uh, Numbers 
chapter 20. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about that whole issue of like, is this, is this overly harsh? Like God's refusing to let Moses into the promised land. I think it's important to remember too, that like God let Moses see it and he let, let Moses see the promised land. And so, so that, that is, there, there's something beautiful about that just in that God's saying, no, no, you can't enter in because this was significant. Like your breach of, 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 of trust here and your disobedience was significant and you're going to have to face the consequences of that. But at the same time, I think there's love. God's love is on display in him, letting him see it in the sense of like this whole project that God had, had placed before Moses and said, and called Moses to lead the Israelites through to, to get out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt and into their own land. Um, you know, God's by letting him see it, God's saying, This is gonna this is gonna happen. Like this is all the you know I've called you to do and that we've we've worked for, like it Your work's not in vain in that right. Yeah. But we're gonna deal with that when we get to session thirteen. Session Mm -hmm. thirteen is all about that experience in Deuteronomy at the end of Deuteronomy where um, Moses is up on Mount Nebo examining everything and uh, looking at all the promised land. And it's also a reminder uh, that that session will be reminded to be focusing on the idea that God's presence is really His blessing. Mm. Um, sometimes we think of God's blessing as we get this, we get that, as opposed to it's simply being in His presence. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that in mind, Moses does get to see the promised land in the sense that for him, the promised land is being in God's presence. Yeah, and that's where he—that's mm. where the book ends. Is he is in God's presence right. in yeah. His own promised land that mm-hmm. we would think of in a in a metaphorical sense. Uh, our promised land, we get to the promised land after our death. We see that from, from Moses in that sense. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you being with us today, Drew. Next, Sunday, next week, our podcast is going to be focusing on Matthew chapter 1 and Numbers 21. We're going to be looking at the lesson for Christmas. I know it's hard to believe, but Christmas is already here. Yeah, crazy. Uh, and we've just got a few more days in uh, 2019. So, uh, But we look forward to, to visiting with you next week as we look at that next lesson, uh, which is session four for December the 22nd. Thank you much and God bless. Thanks.